0: Welcome to Required Listening. I'm your host, Scott Goldman, executive director of the Grammy Museum. Each week in the Clive Davis Theatre, I have the privilege of talking to great music artists across the musical spectrum about their inspirations, their influences, and their creative process. With Required Listening, I'm happy that we can bring these conversations to you. On today's show, my conversation with Andy Grammer, We got together just after he released his third full-length album entitled The Good Parts. He's very much a gifted pop songwriter who leans toward contemporary soul. He got his start playing on the street in Santa Monica and graduated to higher profile gigs and ultimately landed a label deal. He is truly an energetic and prolific artist. And if you heard our recent discussion with Imagine Dragons, you'll recall that Dan Reynolds was talking about how that band had written well over 100 songs for their most recent record. Well, Andy Grammer told me exactly the same thing, that he had written 115 songs for this album. So let's go to the Clive Davis Theater and listen to my conversation with Andy Grammer. Give it up for Andy Grammer. Come on now. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. And thank you for being here. We appreciate it. We haven't seen you in a few years. Man, so how, long, how long ago? It's like four or five years since you and I last chatted. That's awesome. Yeah. I know I look older. I think you look fine. But let's talk about the, about the new album. And it, particularly in reading some stuff, talking about the new record, you've said you love this album.
1: Yeah. And I'm Why? Not- I'm always interested, like, whether that matters, right? <laughs> like, all that should really matter is whether everybody else likes it. But this, is, I, I just really love this one. I think that you, as you go along creating art, you have a feeling of how you personally feel about it. Mm-hmm. And then you go about the process of trying to get it out of yourself. And then I give it to you. Yeah. And I would say the majority of the time that you do that, by the time, it's like a terrible game of telephone. By the time it comes out of my heart and I give it to you, I would say <laughs> about 90% of the time, I'm like, shit. <laughs> that is totally not what I was feeling in <laughs> here by the time that I give it to you. Um, and I think that this collection of songs has the highest percentage of what it felt like in me yeah. to when I gave it to everybody else. Mm.
0: And, 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 you know, this is very much, and you've talked about this, this, is very much a snapshot of who you are at this particular moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. which is kind of an argument for albums in general. Right. Right. Which I don't know where I stand totally. Yeah. But that would be the argument for keeping them. Right. Would be that uh, with one song, you can get an idea, but with th- like 12 songs, you can get a real sense mm. of, of where somebody is.
0: Well, and, and that, you know, and that kind of begs the question because, you know, here we are in the digital age, the streaming age, you know, people listening to one song and moving on, there's no attention span, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But But you've made an argument for the album as a body of work still. And and I'm wondering why
1: that's important to you. I don't know if I'm gonna really like willing to stand behind that as like the best way to do it. I just know that I'm gonna write 115. Do you want to hear a couple? Because mm-hmm. to get the best stuff for me is always 115. Yeah. Then I then part of that process is like I have a lot of good good things here. I would like I'd rather share. Yeah. Now maybe should I just release them one at a time? I, I'm open to all things, mm-hmm. but I still kind of do like putting in an album.
0: That's yeah. also a crazy thing that, that yeah. for, for each of the three records you've made yeah. you've written over 100 songs yeah and I, and I how just many don't i don't mean,
1: know any other way you know when you do art as you're living that isn't an it is a need it's this weird thing right you have to eat you need to eat that's for yeah, sure a need yeah. i remember when i was working as a butcher uh, what um, <laughs> I was working as a butcher, and the guy who was the boss was like, "Yeah, only get into things that people need." So I do. I own a, I own a grocery store, and I and I own property because like there will always be a need for that. And I would argue that there's always a need for music, but there's not always a need for like, pretty good music. Hmm. There's only a need hmm. for the best expletive music, that there that's available at the time. So if you get in this game, it's not like commodity. I mean, it's I mean it's not, it's not something that you have to have unless you have to have it. So it has to be a song that makes the hair on your arm stand up. That's, mm. what, I, that's what I mean.
0: And for you, you're going for that every time. So, it, you know, in terms of the writing and the, and the process, yeah. are you waiting for that moment when the hair stands up on your arm? What's really
1: messed up about this is that I can't tell in the moment whether it's there. I can tell whether I, I feel like it's true, which is another thing that's so hard to do. I don't know why it's that hard. it's, it's true, so hard. True to you or true yeah. to what you think True others... about life. Got to it. like write a line that is true, that resonates with everybody is like, yeah, I go through that as well. Yeah. That is really, really... Like to write your truth in a way that's eloquent is so hard. Yeah. If you just write down and if you sit down and like try to write your story, you will quickly notice that as you start to write it, it's like, well, that's not totally it. That's not exactly how it feels. That's not, you know, that's... So to write your truth is very difficult Same thing, going back to like what's in your heart to then hand it to somebody and actually have them feel it. So the only way that I know how to get closest to that is to do it a billion times and then pick the ones that are
0: the closest. You know, I had this, I had this fascinating conversation with Julia Michaels a couple of months ago. Great songwriter, now hit artist in her own, but she, she's been writing songs for other artists for quite a long time. And she said, you know, it's much easier to write about, if you will, my challenges and then give that to someone else to sing. Mm. It's a whole different discussion if all of a sudden I'm writing my truth and I'm singing it and that's what you do. Yeah, pop music great is when it's simple.
1: Mm. The great simple lines are the ones that make you feel and are the best. Usually what makes the simple great I've found is when you have a lot of emotion about a certain topic. So then when you just say one line about it, it means so much. And you can only, and if you can get it down to even like a syllable, that's the best. Right. So if you can get a syllable to pack the hardest punch, that's pop music. Yeah. Right? When you're writing 115 songs, do you even have 115 things about yourself <laughs> that would <laughs> when distilled <laughs> down, pack that punch? That's probably the hardest part of all of it, is finding the thing that is worth writing about. Yeah. And that's another thing why I like to write 115, because you think that you have it, and then by the time that it's all the way done, it's not, it's not it.
0: You know, here's the other thing. So, so you talked about pop music and occasionally, you know, pop music can be, um, labeled as for lack of a better term, inconsequential. Sure. That it's a confection, but you take a different approach within that there can be meaningful things that are said.
1: Yeah. It's a dangerous game because if you add too much meaning it sinks. So So you can't make it too weighty. No. Yeah. This is the dance. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I would consider myself, I don't really like vegan food, but in this analogy, let's use it. <laughs> It'd be like, how do you how do you make a vegan cookie compete with an Oreo? Yeah, you <laughs> it's it's really, really hard to do. I love that. Right? But I bet there's someone
0: <laughs>
1: uh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. How how do you make uh I don't know, I'm gonna do it. Well, but here's, I mean. But, but the idea is h- how do you make sugar free compete with sugar? It's right. really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's and there re- are people that have done it. And we've all had situations where, like, you got to taste this. And you're like, that doesn't have sugar. That's going to yeah. taste terrible. And then you taste it. You're like, that's pretty good. There's a reason why they call it Coke Zero. Yeah. Don't yeah. you?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's kind of what I love to try and do. And um, it's really fun. It's one of my
0: yeah. passions. Yeah. I'm not sure how we got from pop songwriting to Coke Zero, but. Is, <laughs> that, literally, is that literally the only cookie that's vegan? Probably. I just. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. There's only one problem with like fat-free food. It doesn't have any fat in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that. So this is your third full-length yeah. album. Is it important for you to keep a, a certain element of surprise for your listeners? I.e., you had this massive hit on the last record, Honey I'm Good. People may be coming to the new record and thinking, oh, I'm going to hear the next iteration of Honey I'm Good. But is it important for you to kind of, you know, keep people. Kind of on their toes about your sound. No. (laughs) Glad I asked. It's
1: just so it's just so hard to get something that's good. Yeah. Genuinely good. That when you hear it, you're like, that's good. Yeah. That's really, really, really hard to get. So I don't care about surprising you. I just want to give you something that's great. Yeah. Like if you've ever left a move, you've ever heard of an album that you it ends and you don't know why, but you feel awesome. You leave a movie and you're like, that was so great. <laughs> like, good art is my favorite drug. It makes me feel a certain way. And to be able to try and make that and then give it to people. And then already with this album, like, people will send me messages that, that I haven't gotten before,
0: huh. which is really interesting. Like, like, like what?
1: I haven't really gotten the thing of, like, you made me cry in my car, which I, I didn't expect. I know that when you go after deeper topics, that can sometimes happen. Mm. But that's – I'm getting some of those on this album, which is cool. It's a different uh, area for me to uh, – kind of be in which i I appreciate yeah Yeah, no that's
0: that's actually great yeah that that's actually great you recently became a father yeah um we were just talking yeah it's awesome (laughs) five and a half months yep all right so how did fatherhood change you as an artist
1: well it definitely opens you up to a whole new area of life which is fun to write about Mm. it's definitely one of those things like i'm talking about that is worth distilling down so it's such a big thing That when you're able to distill it down to like a couple songs, I'll play one tonight, to a line, it holds because it's a big enough thing. Yeah. Right? The song I'll play tonight is called Always When You Say to Your Daughter, You and Me Will Be Always. That's like a simple little line that means so, it's so cool. So just that in general. And then, you know, it just kind of opens your heart more.
0: Well, you've used the term emotional access.
1: Yes. You have tons of emotional access to depths of yourself that are usually reserved pre kids. I don't know, like a yoga retreat with <laughs> uh, the, like the one time that you like something amazing happens and you all have this incredible dinner and then you go real deep and it's like, holy crap. And and now with your kid, you're like going there just because you put her in a car seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a level of intensity that like you're huh. jumping in and out of that's really, really intense. Huh. Sweet. We,
0: one of the other terms that, that you used, you know, in terms of writing for this album was authentic, you know, yeah. being authentic. And to me, that kind of, that goes hand in hand with this whole experience you're talking about becoming a father, is that all of a sudden there is frankly nothing much more authentic than, yeah. Parent, than parenthood.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really sweet too, because I, I work really hard and my brain spins a lot about what to do next and how do you make something great and how do you stay on top of stuff. And so to have this little girl who's around that will, when I get in the door, lights all that on fire, my brain just goes like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Right. And so for me, that's really sweet.
0: And I'm wondering in that process, because, uh, you know, kids will have that ability to completely get you focused on them yeah, and and <laughs> for all the right reasons yeah. and not on, you know, whatever your challenges are, whatever your issues yeah. might be, whatever your songwriting stuff might be. But that's got to be a great kind of yeah, because pause you, for the creative side.
1: Totally. And you you have to make deals with yourself in my profession. Like I make a deal with myself that I'm definitely good enough to do this and then the world will come in in many different ways and go like you know you do a performance on tv and everybody hates it and they're like you're totally not good enough you're the worst and then you'll have a great thing that'll be a huge hit and they'll be like you are so much better than everybody else and you have to consistently just be like all right i'm just gonna like no matter what you say i'm gonna put myself in the middle here and know that i'm just good enough to keep doing this right a lot of times you take all that home and Mm -hmm. you're fighting it Mm -hmm. depending on how it went you're fighting to get yourself back down to, to the middle or you're fighting yourself to bring yourself back up from the dungeon. And when I come home or even just like FaceTime her from somewhere, it makes it way easier to let all that go. Cause it's not important anyway, but it's really hard to let go of it. And she's kind of like the neutralizer in that. Sure.
0: Yeah, you pick up a baby and it, you're, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Nothing matters. Sonically listening to the album, this is different. Yeah. This is different. Than, than the last record, for instance, and um, pardon me if I'm offending anyone here, "grown ass man child." Sure, um, song on the record has this tremendous kind of you know yeah. bass drop thing, which is not something we've heard from you previously. Yeah, talk a little bit about kind of going in that direction.
1: If you're gonna be in this in the pop game. You are constantly hearing what's occurring right now, and you're also going with what you love on your own. And the worst thing you can do, me and my manager call me too, which is like Mm. a sound comes out and you go like, and me as well on that. Right, right,
0: right. I'll follow that. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, But there's an interesting uh, dance there when it's like, but I'm inspired by that. So I think it's all intention. Mm. I've definitely written songs where I'm like, I know in my gut, I'm just trying to rewrite this song. Mm. And then there's other ones like, ooh, that's a really interesting vibe. And then, that, and then I create this, which is my own thing, and so that was really just a blast. Yeah. So at the end, yeah. you know, and when you go yeah. to the studio, all bets are off. You do, you do whatever comes to you, and you have, you have fun, and then you kind of reflect later on where it sits or how it's actually affecting you. And that one just was too good yeah. tonight.
0: And, and and you did that with Oak. Yeah, Oak. Tell me about first of all, how did you guys? He's great. Yeah, we did
1: a bunch of sessions uh, for this record. We wrote a couple different songs. But this one, I, it, it was basically Taylor Swift has, has that song, 22. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. And I thought how ridiculous it would be to write uh, the 32-year-old version of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I'd have to write the 62-year-old yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to hear it.
0: That would uh, I do. No, that, see, that's what's so, so sweet. That would be bro- that Because
1: that's like a scary thing. But if you nail that, everybody wants to hear it. I swear.
0: Good. I've, I've, yeah. got, I've got three years and to so, get that. And so, you together. know,
1: usually so, a song like Grown Ass Man Child, like usually to that level of weird, I'll send that and we'll all be like, I mean, that's ridiculous. You can't put that out, but that's really fun. And then over a, after a little while, you just like keep finding yourself putting it on. And like I think I, I like this, you know. You know,
0: but here's here's the thing that that struck me again. I'm I'm going to reference my conversation with Julie Michaels because again she's working in that pop vein, and 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 I I asked her the same question that that we were just talking about in terms of sort of you know pop music as a confection, as something that that's here today and kind of gone tomorrow, and does it really have? that heft, if you will, or or a space for real creativity. And she said, you know, I think pop music is a place where you can be the most experimental, where you can establish ideas and trends, much more so than in other styles and and genres. And I think that's kind of where listening to your three albums, you live there.
1: Yeah, I love, it's my favorite space, because if you, I really like to try to, Distill down a very real emotion and then make it simple and catchy. Mm. And and that's what stays with people. And that has the ability to get in, like, that. if you do it right, there's a key directly into someone's heart yeah. that you don't know. And yeah. that's a, such an incredible process. Yeah. yeah, And the best songwriters that have done it throughout time, they find these emotions and then they're able to get it so simple. And so to me, it's always like, how do I get the line right or the idea across? And then from there, then... Then let's play. Mm. Then, then the sounds and mm. and the production of it becomes very kind of e- not easy, but that's way more fun and lighthearted. But the hard, hard, really intense work comes about sim- simplifying
0: it. Yeah. And I think sometimes that you know people people don't quite get the amount of work that goes yeah, into making it's, something. It's sound supposed so simple. to
1: sound. It's supposed to sound like you just said it. Yeah, like yesterday rolled out of bed. Love was such an easy game to play. Like that's so simple, but it's like. I know what that feels like. <laughs> We've all been there. We're yeah. like, oh shit! Yesterday we were, we, darn it! And they did that over and over and over again yeah. to a place where it's like yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. So,
0: up. so um, you know, writing with Oak and and there were other other collaborations on on the record. Now, yeah. I want to talk to you about collaborating in terms of co-writing versus versus writing on your own. And you've talked about how um, one kind of supports and informs the other. Talk about the benefits of writing with others? Okay, one of the biggest
1: benefits of writing with others is that it makes you write. Which it forces, it you. forces you to write. If you have a session on the books with somebody else, you're gonna write a song that day. If you have a session by yourself, you might. <laughs> and that's just real. And there, therefore, to get to 115, I don't know if I can get to 115 by just setting up a day, like 115 days and me writing it every day. So I realized that my chances of getting something great are better if I'm writing with other people because it'll make me write more. Hmm. And I'm at a place where I'm confident enough to where I know that we're gonna tell my story because I know how to do that. I know how to like stop in the middle of a room and be like, this is totally not my story. You guys wanna go write that song with somebody else, but like I'm, I know how to bring myself to it. In the beginning, I was very hesitant to do it because I wasn't totally clear on how to own the room as far as what we were saying. But now that's mostly the special sauce that I bring is myself, my point of view, and hopefully some of my melody sense, And then we have all these other people that help uh, make that work, you yeah. know? And being the artist that is, it's gonna be on your record, you can kind of call the shots in that way. Mm. And so that, I, I really enjoy co-writing, even mm. almost mostly for, we will write a song today. Yeah. That's Damn. a serious photo respect, yeah. which is that actually writing is a hard thing
0: to make yourself do. Mm. Yeah. Being a collaborator is not necessarily simple. And I'm wondering, what is it about you that makes you a good collaborator? First of all,
1: you just got to be hopefully a good hang. It's really important.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Be be nice. Really just be nice, Yeah,
1: have a good time, make the room feel good, Um, come with ideas. There's nothing worse than just like starting starting off with no one has any ideas. So I usually do about an hour or two of writing before I get to the session to at least Mm -hmm. have something to offer. Like if someone says something that is really good, but not what you would say. So if someone says like in the room something about drinking alcohol, which I don't do, and it's not so now now you've taken it out of my story but the problem is that it's a great line now it's on me to beat that or else the vibe is screwed cuz if i just go like no we can't do that cuz i don't drink alcohol uh, but the line was great. Now, now you're annoying. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, now you've shut you've shut yeah. it down. You're the worst. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you, so immediately you better come with something cooler and better and more interesting. And that's like kind of hmm. the dance that I do is to like not let the vibe drop, even though I don't drink that. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> because you want to make it authentic and 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 real and and something that everybody can relate to, but still tell your own. Yeah,
0: business. and oftentimes this is with people that you've just met.
1: Yeah, a lot of times that that is true. On your third album, you start to meet the people that are that you really gel with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's less of that. And you, yeah. you go you You, you, you try to get back. with them you as back. much as possible. Do you remember your first co-write? Who was your
0: first co-write?
1: Man, I don't totally remember. I remember I didn't like it. I thought in the beginning that all the co-writing was was diluting my thing. Hmm. And that hmm. is the
0: exact opposite once you get good at yeah. it. yeah. You know, we talked about how prolific you are. If you're writing a hundred songs for an album, yeah. then you have to be writing, not only when you're you know, kind of comfortable and hanging around the house, totally, but when you're on the road. Yeah, we just did and, that, it almost killed me. And almost to a person, every artist that I've ever talked to, with rare exception, has said, writing on the road is impossible.
1: It's not impossible, but it's really tough because the road is already so much being asked of you. Mm. Like the show is at night, which is already in, weird. It's a weird profession to to have the most important thing of your day start at, like, 11.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you have to kind of, like, take your break before. But if you're a motivated person, you don't. Yeah. So you and and also
0: there's all that adrenaline Sure. Up you to, wake up yeah. and you're
1: doing other things. Yeah. And then you're, by the time you get there, like, so, so you kind of burn out. But we, it's also really fun. I feel like the last tour I went on was about two months. And I brought writers out onto the bus. We've had so you did? many. Yeah, so many writers. And I had a studio in the back. And uh, some of the songs that are on this album were we kind of started there, or came from different things, and uh, it was really intense. Hmm. But it was awesome. It was like an Andy camp. It was like <laughs> all the things Andy I love camp. all day from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: I, you know, I guess the sports analogy would be, you know, when teams go on the road, they're they're incredibly focused because there's no distractions that sure. they would find when they're home. Is yeah, it, is it somewhat analogous? Somewhat. It's tough because. It's hard to describe. Like, you ever just you ever just take a flight
1: anywhere, and you realize that you didn't really do anything that should make you as tired as you are by the time you get there. You yeah. didn't. You sat. <laughs> you like got up. You like waited in a line. Then you sat on the plane. You watched a movie, and then you get to wherever you're going. You're like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I don't totally know why that is, but that's real. So to to, to like fight through that, whatever that is. Yeah. And just and work extra hard because you already have meet and greet. You have all these other things that are needed of you. You need to go uh, radio stations and all this different stuff. So then to pull out creativity along, pull out songs out of yourself while that's happening is very difficult. But also a lot of what happened was I stayed sharp. I do think it's like being in shape. Hmm. So I stayed sharp for those two months that when I got off tour, I went and wrote some of my right, favorite yeah. songs. Yeah. When I got home, I was like, okay, cool. I'm not super exhausted, but I'm still in shape. I've been mm-hmm. writing melodies every single yeah. day. And then we wrote some, some yeah. of the really great ones.
0: I could ask the cliched question, you know, what comes first for you, mel- you, know, melody or lyrics? Yeah. But you've talked about, and I found this fascinating, you've talked about emotion leading the process. Yeah. Can you explain that? I'm at a place
1: now where I've, when you've written so many songs, you, you can definitely sit with someone else and write A good song Hmm. we can write one and it'll be good because we have technique and we've written i don't know 400 songs at this point so like i'm gonna write a song that like the average person would be like that's a pretty good song but what gets me excited is when you write something that is a truth about being alive and i use this analogy a lot but like like a scientific proof that hasn't been written in in that exact way yet Hmm. yeah so that is what makes me excited and that is my that is where i spend most of my time is trying to get those lines, those things that when you say them, it makes someone feel like they're going through it as well and you, you said it. Mm. That's what's the hardest part. But the problem is you're, you're kind of trying to get that at the same time that you're writing melodies and chord changes and all this different stuff. So it's kind of, a, it, it's not like one thing happens before the others do. You basically go after it all at the same time and then look at it after and go like, nope. <laughs> like that's what, and a pie chart of songwriting yeah. for me. That's what the majority of it is. Is like there'd be the, there'd be a pie chart, and it would be like a huge thing, and there'd be like a little sliver, and and this whole thing would be like nope, <laughs> and,
0: then, and then there'd be like a little sliver like yes, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what that's yeah. what I do. So here's another complication for you: your wife is a songwriter. Yeah, I think one could imagine the challenges in, inherent in that. In that, yeah. um, um. First first of all, do do you, do you, (laughs) at what, well, here's the question. All right. I've been, I've been thinking about how to approach this. No, no, let me tell you a story that you don't
1: even have to talk anymore. I'll I'll give you all, I'll give you everything you need in this short little story. I am a serial collaborator. Like I can't stop adding onto things or like tweaking with, like it's what I do. It's what I love to do. So we were singing, this is almost embarrassing. We were singing uh, Itsy Bitsy Spider to my daughter in the car. Itsy Bitsy Spider went up the water spout. down came the rain. And then out of nowhere, I like veer off into a bridge (laughs) of the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And my wife is like, that's, I hate you. You do, you know, you do that to my stuff. You do that to every, just enough with it. Enough. And that's our life is like consistently going back and forth with, with like, if, you know, she has an idea and she's playing it, I can't help but go over and mess with it. Same with her. It's really hard when you're both songwriters If one of you is on a piano downstairs, and the other one shouts down like, no, (laughs) you know? Like that happens. And you have to be really delicate with how you deal with that, with each other. Um, We have different hats that we decide we're going to wear when you're asking for someone's opinion. Like, Hey, can you you tell me about this song? And then you like hit pause, and you're like, I actually just want you to be my wife and say you love it. That's all I want. (laughs) That's all I want. Um but sometimes she'll bring me stuff or I'll bring her stuff and be like, tell me what you really think. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to kind of beat yourself to the punch and go like this is what I need right now.
0: If you're writing as many as a hundred or a hundred and fifteen songs, is there a criteria for the twelve that make or the ten or whatever it is that, that make it on the on the album? There's
1: gotta be something awesome about yeah. it to me. Mm. You know, you'd like to think that they're all perfect, uh, and I would say that they aren't all perfect, but there's like something about it that you can't let go, Mm. whether it's the way that the drum beat and this melody go together. For me, it's usually, is there that, is there the truth in there? Is there the, did I capture the truth in a, in an interesting, cool, catchy way? Uh, And that's what I'm, when I'm so excited about this, my last album to me personally, I feel that, that it happened a lot and it's so fun and exciting. And I find myself on stage like so giddy again to go sing new songs. Yeah. Because when I feel like I have caught the truth, I know how hard that is. And there's e- almost a part of me that doesn't feel like proud that I got it. It's more just like so grateful that I get to sing this truth every night. Because I've been on stage, I have songs that I don't think the truth is there. And when you're singing and it's not in there, it's miserable. Mm. So when you do have enough and now like three albums, you're, you're only picking your favorite from the different albums that you think is all the truth. And then you get up and you sing and it. it's, it's,
0: it's the best. There's nothing better. We, we've been talking about, you know, songwriting and your evolution as a songwriter. And, and, and I'm wondering, has what you listen to, has that evolved?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm listening right now. I'm listening to a ton of things that don't have anything to do with pop music.
0: Yeah. No, no. Uh, and with, like who?
1: Just... Like, so my daughter is named Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I, I traveled so many different places. And I feel like everywhere I go, um, I have a unique perspective, which is just my own, but a perspective of what do you guys do better here than other places? When you go up to Seattle and you see the way they deal with coffee, and you're like, you guys do this pretty good. Mm. You like really care more than other places. Yes. Uh, you go to Austin and you're like, whoa, there's, uh, there's so much live music here. Mm. And, and you go city, 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 and you have like a, a, a perspective of being like, it's, it's not here and then it's here. You guys care more about this. And when I landed in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans in general, there's a joy to life that was more than anywhere I'd been. Just, and there's, like, good things that come from that and horrendous things that come from that. And, but just overall, like, you guys do joy better than other places. <laughs> like, you're, you smile bigger here. Um, and so that's why I named her Louisiana because mm. she's so joy to me. But because of that, I made a whole playlist of songs that had the name Louisiana in it. And there's all this jazz. So it got me psyched and I've, so much of my year has been just like listening to tons of jazz and mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong, it's been great. Definitely. And also because it doesn't make me work, it's more, it's more joy. There's like a stress sometimes when you turn on the radio and you're on, you know that you could be on the radio that now I'm, now I'm working. I don't, now if I don't come, what a terrible thing yeah. to turn on the radio and if my song doesn't come on, it's not cool. <laughs> what a miserable existence. <laughs> so you turn off the radio <laughs> and you listen to other things not and you, I check in all the time and I love listening to like the top Spotify numbers and I see like, uh, I will listen to the radio, but when I listen to the radio, it's like, um, okay, why is that working? What's happening? Mm. It's, it's much more like forensic, like forensic dissecting, like, oh, that pre was sick. Why? Let me, like, run that back and see why. Hmm. And then so some of your joy comes from uh, different places. Yeah. I got into, like, a huge Randy Newman phase Yeah,
0: that was awesome. Well, speaking of Louisiana, he yeah, only wrote one of the best Louisiana songs best ever. The best ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Randy Newman, are there artists that you go back to consistently for inspiration? John Mayer's one, because he's so good.
1: Uh, I think he's underrated lyrically. Everybody <laughs> knows he's, like, a great guitar player. Yeah. And that's so fun. But I think he's also like a super wordsmith. Hmm. Um, and that was what caught me originally on this first album and then th- throughout. Uh, so I go back to him because I think he he can find at his best he really knows how to do this truth thing that I'm talking about. Hmm. Um, whenever I feel off my center, I listen to uh, Miseducation, Lauren Hill, because she huh. she does... Telling someone what's good for them is inherently not what you want. And somehow she did it the coolest way, hmm. the dopest way ever, hmm. on that album. So I go back to that. Stevie Wonder does it too. He knows how to. He knows how to sing "Happy," and everybody agrees instead of being like right. so cheesy. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. So those
1: three are kind of like yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I do want to roll the videotape back just, just just for a minute. What music do you remember hearing growing up?
1: So my dad is a children's singer, but before he was a children's singer, in my like, super formative years, he was a folk singer. Hmm. And I would be backstage, and they would go out and sing these folk songs. And what's cool about folk is like, uh, there's not a ton of left turns in folk music. You kind of inherently, if you listen to it enough, you kind of know where the next you word know is going to go. Yep. Yep. You know like a good folk song, like you already know the rhyme like way before it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's not a bad setting to learn some music you kind of have your base to then mess with you know mm-hmm.
0: was there an artist in particular that as you were growing up that you heard that when you heard this artist you went that's what i want to do
1: mm. it wasn't that's what i want to do it was it was like i only cared about basketball <laughs> like that's it my whole <laughs> life was basketball I'd, I'd get up and just dribble on, with my left hand for an hour before i went to school <laughs> and that was my whole thing and then it was the uh it happened in the, like in the same week Miseducation, Education Lauren Hill and Room for Squares John Mayer mm-hmm. both hit me and made me like it was, I had like a, a a teen crisis of like oh oh that's what <laughs> like I thought I was basketball and now I'm very confused cuz this is so incredible so that those two albums pulled me away from yeah. my NBA yeah. dreams
0: yeah um <laughs> <laughs> we all we all had those um except I was you know Fat and slow, but besides that, um, the, the story's been well told. That that you spent you know a fair amount of time on the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, kind of you know playing for for tips and, and and folks down there. Looking back, was there was there one thing or a set of things that you that you experienced there or you that you learned there that still serve you today?
1: <sighs> I was having to talk with my dad about this today. I think the number one thing for anyone, especially in this town, that, I would, that makes me bet on you or bet against you is the ability to um, just act hmm. without any guarantee of anything happening in return. And there's no greater place to do that than every day than at the street because hmm. there's nobody there for you. So you, there's a decent chance that you will start to sing and for an hour and a half, two hours, no one will care. So it's like a great muscle to build and have these like long two-hour stretches where you're playing and no one's listening. Hmm. And it, it just kind of gets you to be like, uh, you, you, you gain a strength to it. Like, I don't care if you don't listen. I'm still going to do it. And I think that is, that is one of my biggest strengths right now, uh, having worked on it for so long, uh, which you need if you're going to be in this type of career. Yeah.
0: I read an interview with you, and you talked about something you heard, Ira Glass, the host of This American Life on on NPR, um, who said, if you're pursuing a creative endeavor, you have to begin with good taste. Yes. And and explain that for us and what that means to you.
1: It's so good. He, he's I tell this to every, every, uh, every writer that comes to me and goes, like, I want to do what you do. This is like one of my favorite things to say. Yeah. So you get into it because you have good taste, which is a little bit terrible because you start to create art and you're the first one to know that it's not good because you have good taste. So then the only way to get what you're creating to be at your level of taste is to just do it a billion times. Hmm. And that will slowly, slowly get you higher and higher and higher and higher. And I would say one of the reasons that I beam when I talk about this new album is that for me, it is the closest to my level of taste. Hmm. And I love everything a lot, like everything I've done, I love, but this is my favorite.
0: Yeah. So fair warning, we're going to ask for a couple questions from the house here um, in in just a minute. Um, How have you changed? since your first record how are you how are you different
1: i could describe that by like my vision boards Mm -hmm. i totally do that no judgments uh the beginning the board only had career stuff on it and then the the new ones have health and well-being and heart stuff on there and Mm -hmm. family stuff on there so uh i think that's cool i think that's like a part of life yeah and and this type of a Career is so volatile that if you don't have those other, those other pieces, um, I think I, I don't know how the art couldn't suffer if you didn't have these grounding pieces. Mm. Yeah.
0: What are you hoping for in 2018?
1: Well, we're going on tour, which is really fun. We're going to try to do some things we haven't done before, possible video screen. Like we're, we're just putting it all together right now. And uh, it gets me so psyched because to me, the album is like the script to the movie. And then when you have a script that you love, then you can't wait to go make the movie. So I'm really, really excited about the tour. I think the tour Great. is going to be incredible. There's a lot of other interesting things that are in the works right now. I had kind of a slow uh, January, which has been wonderful. So I've been kind of at, taking some time to go like, what do I want to do? How do I want to expand? What areas do I want to mm-hmm. go into? And so some new stuff coming, for sure. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we could This not... is my favorite thing to do, yeah. is just yeah. talk about songwriting. Yeah. So thank you for, come, yeah. for coming to this. Fantastic. <laughs> like, if he... If he called me and it was like, you want to just go hang out on stage, like talk about some shit? I'd be like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the fact that you're all here means a lot to me. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, we couldn't be more pleased that you took the time to come down and chat about the new record. It's great. Good luck on, on the tour. But we want to hear you play Let's and play some sing. songs. Of course. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Grammer. <laughs> so now you know that the key to songwriting is figuring out how to make a vegan cookie compete with an Oreo. I loved his description of new fatherhood as the opportunity to increase his emotional access. And his thoughtful approach to pop songwriting is very much analogous to our recent discussions with Julia Michaels and Justin Tranter. You might wanna go back and check those episodes for more insight into the art of songwriting. So that's your required listening for today. We've got new episodes coming to you every Thursday. If you have a comment, let's keep the conversation going. We're on all the social platforms at Grammy Museum. If you're coming to Los Angeles, I hope you'll come visit us at the Grammy Museum. All the info about our activities, our programs, and our exhibits is at our website, grammymuseum.org. Finally, big ups to the team that makes required listening happen Jason James, Justin Joseph, Jim Canella, Lynn Sheridan, Callie Weissman, Miranda Moore, Len Brown, Jason Hoke, Chandler Mays, Nick Stumpf, Ghost and Sean, and everyone at How Stuff Works. Until next time, I'm Scott Goldman.